Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to our latest sermon, a sermon by Dr. Charles Connery on dealing with isolation. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to let you know about what's coming up on this podcast. Beginning next week, we're going to replay a series of sermons on church that I preached about three years ago. It's called His, and the truths in it are really important for all that we are as a church. In fact, I preached this series of sermons kind of leading up to a major vision talk we had as a church that resulted in this idea that is foundational to almost everything we do. In fact, I would say everything we do, and that is that our church exists to experience and express God's glory. There's several reasons that I think it is important, good, and right for us to share this series of sermons again right now. One of the main reasons is that everything surrounding COVID-19 has made it so that church has looked very different over the last couple of months. And it appears that church is going to look very different for the foreseeable future. In the midst of all this change, I do not want us to forget the unchangeable truths about what the church is and why we exist. My hope is that replaying this series of sermons will help all of us remember that while the methods might be different for a while, the mission of the church has not changed. With that in mind, I hope that you will join us for those sermons. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, I hope that you will do that. And I hope that this sermon that you're about to hear will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. I'm looking forward to sharing this message from God's Word. Uh, This particular sermon is the last sermon in the series that Pastor Chad has been speaking uh, throughout the last several weeks, uh, and that is uh, on isolation, sermons on people detached from others. And uh, this this, uh, sermon comes with a uh, required passage and that's Revelation 1, uh, 9 through 11. So we'll read that in a little bit together. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to cue them up to Revelation chapter 1, and we'll be looking at that momentarily. I'd like to begin with a story of Chrissy Wellington. Uh, Chrissy Wellington was a person who shocked the triathlon world when she won the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii. Uh, This is a race that is huge. It consists of a 2.4 mile swim. Uh, That doesn't sound like very far, but when you're in the water swimming, nearly two and a half miles is a long way to go. A 112 mile bicycle race and a full marathon, 26.2 miles. Uh, Most athletes consider this to be one of the most grueling sports events on the planet. And uh, here, uh, Chrissy Wellington was a virtual unknown. No one knew who she was. Uh, No one was rooting for her. They had their favorites of uh, the women's side of the competition who would win it, Uh, but she was not on that list. She wasn't on anybody's list. And she came in and not only did she win it, she crushed it. In fact, not only did she crush it once, she crushed it four times. She came back in 2008, and she did it again in 2009. 2010, she missed because she was sick, and then she came back 
in 2011. Uh, and when she came back in 2011, she was fighting through some serious injuries. She was uh, uh, injured in uh, a bike crash two weeks before the race. She had serious road rash all over her body. She tore a pectoral muscle one week before the race when she was doing her uh, swimming uh, training. Her former coach said that she had no business even stepping up to the starting line, much less engaging in the race. And yet she did, and she crushed it again a fourth time. And in 2012, she wrote and published her first book titled Life Without Limits. But the title is somewhat misleading. It's triumphalistic. It, it conveys the idea that uh, somehow uh, Chrissy is saying that if you just put your mind to it, you're going to succeed. And what we see is anything but that attitude exhibited in the book. I mean, Chrissy herself talks about overcoming uh, debilitating uh, uh, eating disorders, uh, uh, self-doubt. Uh, she had a coach uh, earlier in her life that did anything but encourage her or make her believe that she could accomplish something as an athlete. The book is not about uh, uh, thriving by virtue of your ability to succeed. It's more about thriving within limits. Chrissy knew what her limits were, and somehow she was able to find a way to thrive even within those limits. You know, the, the COVID crisis is something that uh, has... Uh, revealed to us uh, a truth that has always been true. And that is, we live within limits. Uh, we confront limits of all different kinds. I mean, think about it. We're limited by our humanity. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, that we see through a glass darkly. Uh, we don't know everything that we could know. We don't certainly know everything God knows because we're limited by our human understanding. Uh, we're limited physically. I mean, I can't fly without an airplane or a hot air balloon or a hang gliding rig or whatever. Uh, that's a limitation. Uh, we're limited uh, by our circumstances. We can't just go wherever we want to go, when we want to go, and for how long we want to be there. Uh, we're limited in a variety of different ways. And for the most part, we don't think about these limitations. We, we are oblivious to them. Uh, but what the COVID crisis has done is to confront us with a new set of limitations. And for some of us, that has been really tough to handle. Uh, we've been focused on that so much uh, that the uh, isolation that we're experiencing can feel like walls closing in on us or, or like, a, uh, I don't know, like a comatose person waking up and finding out they've been buried alive. Uh, we, we can feel uh, an extraordinary level of anxiety and frustration over the situations that we're in. And I wonder if the Apostle John didn't feel somewhat of that that confinement or frustration when he was exiled by the emperor Domitian to the island of Patmos. Uh, the island of Patmos was Nowheresville. Uh, the ancient writers say almost nothing about the island, 
we don't know anything about the island or its inhabitants during the time that the Apostle John would have been there. Uh, but here's what we know. Uh, John was the last living apostle. Uh, by this point in his life, he was an elder of the church in Ephesus. He was old. Uh, by the early 80s, AD, 80, uh, and beyond, he was, he was probably in his 80s himself. And as, as uh, the church came to him, they loved him. They hung on every word. By this point in his life, he would have finished the Gospel of John, uh, the book attributed to him, uh, and uh, three uh, small epistles that are also in the New Testament. Uh, he was known as John the Elder of Love. Uh, he had this wonderful reputation of, of being that last living link to Jesus Christ himself. And at the very height of his influence, he finds himself snatched away from that wonderful context where he was exerting so much positive influence and great leadership. And he found himself on this desert island alone. I mean, think about that. If we think we feel frustrated by the COVID crisis, imagine, imagine what John must have felt under those circumstances. And yet, what we find is that John somehow discovered the ability to thrive even within his circumstances. Let's read together now Revelation chapter 1, uh, verses 9 through 11. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And the rest is history. What this teaches us is that thriving in the Spirit happens within our limitations. It doesn't happen abstractly in a limitless vacuum. Uh, such vacuums don't exist. We live and move and have our being within limits. And what I'd like to share with you today is this. We can thrive in the Spirit within our specific limits. We can thrive in the Spirit within our specific limits. It doesn't matter what those limits are. We can thrive in the Spirit. And what we see embedded in this text are three spiritual practices that help us to thrive in the Spirit within our specific limits. The first is seen in verse 9. Uh, the first spiritual practice that helps us thrive within our specific limits is accepting our circumstances. We thrive in the Spirit within our specific limits by accepting our circumstances which happens when we begin by acknowledging our situation. That's what John did. He didn't hide from it. He didn't run from it. The Bible says, I, John, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He knew why he was there. 
He wasn't there because Domitian was a terrible man. He wasn't there because God had forsaken him. He wasn't there because somehow life had conspired against him to leave him in this desolate place for the rest of his days. He was there because he was participating in something that was greater than himself. Now, I know we can't say that with the COVID crisis, uh, but we can say that we continue to participate in something bigger than ourselves. Neither our identity nor our sense of purpose depends on our circumstances. I think of psychiatrist Viktor Frankl. I've spoken of him in the past. He was a German psychiatrist who, when uh, he was um, he was opposing uh, Hitler and and his regime, and ended up in four concentration camps over the period of his life, uh, or or the period of his incarceration at least. And uh, during that time, even Auschwitz. And during that time. Uh, he observed that there were certain kind of, of prisoners that would simply languish and die, and others seemed to thrive. They would, in a sense, rise above their circumstances, and they eventually uh, were uh, some of the people who were released when um, Hitler was overturned. And uh, what Frankl observed is that the main difference was that even though their incarceration and the demoralizing effects of that couldn't be avoided, the people who survived the concentration camps did so because no matter what else their circumstances stole from them, they couldn't steal their identity. Their circumstances couldn't steal their sense of purpose and who they were. They couldn't steal their hope. And Frankel uh, observed that and took that back with him and actually created this rather interesting approach to psychiatry that most people wouldn't necessarily follow today. But I think Frankel rightly observed a timeless truth that we must accept our circumstances if we're going to thrive within our specific limits. We thrive in the spirit within our specific limits by engaging in the spiritual practice of accepting our circumstances. And we do that by calmly acknowledging our situation and by remembering that we are not alone. Um, the, the COVID TV ads, you know, you hear them, uh, we're in this together. I think I've heard about the last one I wanna hear, honestly. Um, but the message is good. It's a true message. John writes, I, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus. He's speaking in the plural. He understands that even if he's banished to the island of Patmos, he's not alone. And he didn't have email, text, Zoom, any of the things that we have to keep us in touch with each other. I can only imagine that as he wrote these words, he found himself comforted by that bigger reality that he part he's participating in something bigger than himself. I think of Psalm 46.1. Um, the Bible says that God is our ever-present help in trouble. Uh, that is true. God, because of God, because of God, our relationship with God, we're never alone. 
So we can't always choose our circumstances, but we can choose the attitude we have within them. And if we follow John's lead, we're going to figure out how to thrive within this specific set of circumstances. It begins by accepting. That's the first spiritual discipline. Our text goes on to show us another essential spiritual discipline that helps us thrive within our specific circumstances, and that is worshiping in the Spirit. Uh, that's what John did. Uh, you know, isolation forces us to change our routines. It just does. And no doubt when John uh, left the structured environment of the church in Ephesus and he was banished to the island of Patmos, he had to recalibrate and figure out what his routines were all over again. Uh, and it says that uh, uh, John uh, received his heavenly vision on the Lord's day. You know what? John did not forget what day it was. And uh, I've, I've heard this phrase thrown around rather casually and irreverently, and that is COVID casual. Uh, and it describes this way of being where people become disheveled, they quit shaving or quit taking care of themselves, they quit dressing up, uh, they, they can wake up and forget which day of the week it is. And, and, you know, because we've left the structured routines of a pre-COVID existence, we find, some of us find ourselves in situations where uh, we're disoriented and despondent and uh, without those, those cherished structures that uh, keep us with some sense of where we're at in life. So what John exemplifies to us is the importance of remembering the day. He knew that it was the Lord's day and he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Uh, he was experiencing the Lord's presence. He was worshiping. Uh, he didn't say, well, since I've been deprived of, of uh, the uh, fellowship of the church of Ephesus, since I can't meet with my brothers and sisters, I, I guess I'm just alone and, and uh, I'll become untethered from all of the things that were meaningful to me in the past. John did not do that. Instead, he kept his, his daily and weekly rhythms as they were. So he was in the Lord's presence on the Lord's day. He was experiencing that truth that we see in 1 John 4, 4, that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. He was experiencing uh, that fellowship. Uh, when life's basic structures are disrupted or put into a holding pattern, it can leave us feeling really out of sorts. Uh, and this is where the Bible speaks to us of the importance of the mind. Uh, and maintaining a good, clear mental focus. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, this is an important discipline. In Philippians 4 and uh, verse 8, uh, the Apostle Paul says something very similar to that. He says, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if Anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about these things. There's, there's a, a discipline of focus here that we're talking about. We can choose to dwell on the wrong things or the right things. 
Uh, we can choose uh, to spend the day watching the right kind of television shows or the wrong ones, I guess. Um, we can be filling our minds with the things that edify us or the things that tear us down. And the Bible teaches us that to the extent that we discipline ourselves and focus on the right things, uh, the healthier we'll be. This, by the way, aligns with the findings of a book that I just finished reading by uh, brain scientist Lisa Feldman Barrett. Uh, she wrote a book titled How Emotions Are Made. And uh, Barrett herself uh, addresses these things from an atheistic, secular perspective. And there are a number of things in the book that I found rather problematic. But the point that she does make is that emotions are constructed and that much of what we experience as feelings is the byproduct of the judgments we make about the ideas that we have. So emotions, she maintains, are not these little globs that exist as separate things in the brain. Um, they're actually the byproduct of um, a, a more complex set of mental processes, uh, which underscores the wisdom of the Bible when it talks about uh, thinking the right things, focusing our minds on the right things, experiencing that renewing of the mind that comes through the discipline of appropriating everything that we do in life to the glory of God. So that's, uh, that's, that's part of what we're talking about when we say, worshiping in the spirit and uh, maintaining that rhythm and remembering where we're at and reorienting ourselves uh, in the spirit. So far then, we've considered two principal practices that prepare us to thrive in the spirit within our specific limits. Uh, the practice of accepting our circumstances and the practice of worshiping in the spirit. Uh, and worshiping in the spirit happens when we reorder our lives around those sacred rhythms, remembering what day of the week it is, and, and, uh, and reorienting ourselves in the spirit, which has to do with renewing our minds and focusing our minds on the right kinds of things. And in a word, uh, in, in Barrett's words, constructing the right uh, emotions around those. There's a final practice that I want to call your attention to in this text, though, and that is the practice of listening to what God is saying. So uh, let's be clear that the main point that John is making in this text is this vision that he sees and the voice that he hears. He, uh, he says that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard this powerful vision. Um, one of the benefits of uh, spending 20 years in a Quaker environment in my previous uh, employment is uh, the, the, the Quakers have this discipline of spiritual discernment. And uh, I work closely with my friend Paul Anderson, a New Testament scholar there at George Fox University. And um, uh, Paul uh, has done a lot of uh, thinking and writing on the subject of spiritual discernment. And he distills it down to three main practices, attending, discerning, and minding Christ's leadership. And uh, what we're really talking about here is attending or listening. Uh, so so what, what Paul Anderson would say is that it starts by listening and then you know, making sense of what we hear, that's the discerning piece, and then obeying or minding uh, 
uh, the leadership of Christ. So acting on, on what we hear. But here, listening to what God is saying is a key practice that the Apostle John exhibits in this, in this passage. He hears what the Lord has to say to him. And uh, as I noted a few minutes ago, uh, isolation has its distractions, and it's important not just to slow down, but to slow down and listen, to listen to what God is saying. So what we learn in this text and elsewhere is that God uses periods of aloneness to speak to us. This actually is an opportunity for us to become more deeply and intimately related to Christ if we take advantage of it. Uh, we see, for example, Elijah, who uh, uh, the great story of his uh, uh, overcoming the prophets of Baal is, is recorded in 1 Kings 18 verses 20 through 40. Uh, and in that passage, uh, we see him confronting 450 prophets of Baal and taunting them. And, and, uh, and finally, the Lord uh, comes and, and gives him this mighty victory. But following that, in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, we see anything but a victory. Jezebel threatens him, and he runs. He hightails it. He runs as far as he can, and he ends up hiding in this cave in the wilderness, alone, frustrated, dejected. And finally, the Lord comes to him and says, what are you doing here? But the Lord used that period of isolation to whisper to him in a still, small voice and give him this sense that he had a whole new ministry awaiting him. There were 7,000 Israelites who hadn't bowed the knee to Baal, and there were still great opportunities for him to serve. Uh, we also see that the Apostle Paul, right after his conversion, went to Arabia. He didn't go back and start engaging in ministry right away. He says in Galatians 1.17 that he spent time in Arabia. We don't know how much time. Verse 18 of Galatians 1 says that after three years, he went back to Jerusalem. We don't know if he was in um, Arabia for all three of those years or, or just part of that time. But it does seem clear that God used that time of isolation to prepare him for everything else that God had for him in his life. And even Jesus Christ, we find him uh, departing and being alone for periods of time. In Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 15 and 16, uh, Luke writes that uh, news about him spread all the more. So crowds of people came to hear him and he healed their sicknesses. Uh, but then verse 16 says almost offhandedly, uh, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and prayed. Jesus actually built into his own personal discipline times of isolation and aloneness so that he could recalibrate and listen to what the Father had to say. So as I conclude this message, let me return to where we began. Uh, the COVID crisis has made us aware of something that's always been true about our existence. We live and move and have our being within limitations. Uh, and if we obsess about those limitations, uh, they might end up being all we think about, like walls closing in on us. And we don't want that to happen. 
John could have certainly done that. He could have certainly allowed his banishment to the Isle of Patmos be the one big thing that consumed his existence from that point forward, but he didn't. He discovered a way of thriving in the spirit within his specific limits. And in so doing, he's given us a legacy to follow. The question for us is, will we follow him? And uh, will we take up uh, his example and accept our circumstances and worship in the spirit and listen to what God is saying? My prayer is that we will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this text and for the way that you have revealed your truths to us in it. We thank you for the Apostle John and uh, the fact that he was able to remain faithful to you, that uh, he was able to write one of the most impactful books of the New Testament when most people would have written him off and said that his life was over and that once he was banished to Patmos, that was it. Oh, Lord, help us to use this season to honor you and glorify you. To whatever extent that we feel confined by our present circumstances, Lord, give us the grace to accept those. To whatever extent we feel disoriented by our circumstances, give us the grace to find you in worship. And to whatever extent we find ourselves adrift and confused, speak to us in the midst of this isolation and help us to hear your voice and to regain a sense of your purpose in our lives. We thank you for this time, and we pray, Lord, that you would help make us faithful witnesses of your love and grace to all those that we come in contact with. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you. Have a great day.